0: That's heritageradio.network.org/15 to donate and enter to win today, and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: With Shift Work, a podcast made in collaboration with RWCF and HRN, we're shifting the conversation about how the restaurant food you love makes its way to the table. Listen to and follow Shift Work on your favorite podcast app.
2: Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guests are Tomoko Koriyama and Guillaume Boat. We'll talk to Tomoko and Guillaume about Burgundy, Shanterave, and more. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Guillaume Boat and Tomoko Koriyama are the magical duo behind Chanterreve in savigny le Bonne, Burgundy. As a couple in both life and the vineyard, they started their winery around 2010. A true Burgundian, Guillaume studied wine and bone, earned a degree in enology, worked with Gerard Boudot at Etienne Sauzé and Simone Bies. Originally from Japan, Tomoko headed to Germany, where she also received a degree in enology and worked and studied at Weingut, Altenkirch, among many others. Before and after that Her love of Burgundy brought her to France And by fate met Guillaume Their wines are refined Aromatic in energy With finesse and subtlety And of course worth seeking out Welcome to the Great Nation Tomoko and Guillaume Thank you for Thank joining you. us Thank you, Sam um, we, are, we are talking to Tomoko and Guillaume Remotely Via ZenCaster. Where are you guys right now? Where are you speaking from?
3: Oh, from the from the living room. Okay. <laughs> we, in we Burgundy. We are comfortable in the coach.
2: <laughs> okay. That's good. So you're in France. <laughs> All right. So let me get started. I really want our audience, our listeners, our podcasters, um, our podcast listeners, to get an idea really of who you are. So To me, yours is a story of love, passion, dedication, and of course, wine. So can you give us some background on your journey in life and wine that got you guys to Shanterev? First, Tomoko, tell us about life before you met Guillaume. And then Guillaume, tell us about life before you met Tomoko. Then I want to hear from both of you how you met. And then, you know, we'll take it from there. So, Tomoko, you can start
4: Okay, sure um, Hello, everyone Thank you, Sam, uh inviting us to this occasion um, So, I am originally from Japan I lived 17 years in Germany I'm a naturalized German citizen by now Because I left Japan when I was t- 23 That's already 30 years ago uh, like Sam said, I earned my enology and viticulture engineering degree in Germany and worked as a estate manager winemaker for um, for winery in the Rheingau region. Uh, just right before that, during my enology studies, I came to Burgundy in 2005, vintage, just for two weeks to uh, spy on how they make wine. and. Um, Chisa Bees of Simon bees and Fist, the domain in Savigny Le Bon, was kind enough to um, respond to my request. I was allowed to come for two weeks, also with a couple of other friends from my enologist school, Geisenheim, in Germany. And there I met Guillaume, who was in charge of white winemaking. I mean, he's still in charge of white winemaking. Um, we hit it off very well. We... So that we have very similar sensitivities when it comes to um, not just wine making but also wine drinking, um, our views about life, what we enjoy, what's important for us, and we said, well, one day we gotta make wine together. Um, uh, We were already clear on that uh, pretty much after the after one year after we met, Uh, but I was. Then already working in Germany, and so we realized our goal of starting to make wine together in 2010.
2: Ah, so that was the beginning. Um, Right. Can I just ask you something? When you said you came to Burgundy while you were in Germany, just to kind of snoop around or see what they were doing, was that with the idea to bring good ideas back to Germany, or were you thinking maybe... (laughs) You know, you would come to Burgundy because you were ready for a change?
4: Ah, uh, No, no. At that time, uh, it was to bring the ideas back and experience back to Germany to continue okay. working there because, um, well, I was always passionate about wine, but I was very much rooted in Germany at that time and also very partial to the grapes Riesling. And also right. to Chardonnay, uh, which is in Burgundy Pinot Noir. So that was one of the reasons. But, for example, riesling making and the white wine making in Burgundy are very different, very very different. I thought it's good for me to have a different perspective, uh, perspective on white wine yes. making. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So that that made sense. All right. So Guillaume, you, mm-hmm. Dijon, Burgundy. You know, yes, tell I'm me how you came, you know, through the, through the, the ranks.
3: Um, well, I, as you know, I started my, uh, my career in winemaking at Etienne Sauzet. I worked there for seven years, uh, before joining Patrick Bees at Domaine Simon Bees. Um, and at Bees, I, I made, uh, I made 20 years there. Wow. And, um, Yeah, and it's nearly. And then Tomoko
2: told us how you met. Can you clear something up for me? Mm -hmm. Are you? I'm confused, and I shouldn't be. Are you still working at Bees, or did you walk away to devote you know time to your wine? Yes,
3: yes, yes. Uh, Since beginning of uh, this year, I work. I still work for Bees, but just three days a week.
2: Okay, so you pulled back to devote. Yeah,
3: and uh, right. that will be de- definitely the end uh, end of March, and then I will be hundred percent with Tomoku at Chantreve.
2: Oh, so it's 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 coming up. Oh um, yes. Tell me, Guillaume. I mean, why now? Like, you know, why this year? You know, I, I understand that the two of you really have a, you know small mm. but ambitious, you know, winery. Mm, 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 mm. Why did you make the decision? Why not a year ago? Why not two years from
3: now? The big change for, for us was uh, this opportunity to buy uh, some vineyards uh, in uh, beginning of 2020. Um, before that, we were almost 100% what we call negociant vinificateur, It means that we, 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 we buy some grapes from other owners. And so, uh, so, so by acquiring the property,
2: you felt you were going to need to devote more time to your project.
3: Yeah. But the the big change is, um, when you, when you only have to vinify and age some wine in barrel, it's. It's it's already a lot of work, but when you have when you have uh, vineyards, that's really another world. Right. I, I so, wanna get into that with you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, You, you wouldn't so, have time to do. It. Um so Tomoko began uh, to work in our domain uh, almost alone, but um, this this situation couldn't stay for long. Yeah. I had I had to join. And um, and financially, uh, now we can uh, we can finance my uh, my salary too. That that's why that's an important that's an important point. <laughs> well, that's
2: yeah, point. <laughs> I, but I don't think you're going to get too much argument from anyone. Tomoko, let me ask you something.
4: Yes. Yes.
2: You know, you talked about many many years in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm curious is. While you were in Germany, yeah, you had a lot of influences.
4: Yes, you know, tell me
2: what some of those influences were, you know, and how you applied them to wine, and even who some of the people were. Because is it fair Mm -hmm. to say that your tenure in Germany Mm -hmm. has a lot to do with how you think about wine, how you make wine, what you're doing now?
4: Uh, yes, and no. Okay, um, the I was, since I decided to become a vigneron, so that's wine grower, because that's, the, that's how we are uh, brought, up, uh, brought up. I mean, like, that's how we are trained here in Europe is we don't just do winemaking or just um, viticulture. A European uh, approach to winemaking is usually you do both. You start with the grape production. And then you make them into wine and and so um, that is primordial that is uh same in F- Germany, also in France, quite similar um, and then there is yes there is um, it's particular with whistling making because whistling making for example is it's not traditional it's actually relatively new after the war that. Uh, we could make a Riesling, dry Rieslings of the style that it is today, which means very fruit forward, uh, very acidity driven. Uh, that was only technically possible after the war. Why and so that so, uh, well, that is because, like, for example, it gets a little bit technical, but I can um explain that to you in a very uh flat okay, flat and understandable terms. So, for example, the Riesling <laughs> dry Riesling from Germany of today is mainly uh, you have a little bit of residual sugar so that. Even though the Riesling is supposed to be dry, but it's a little bit sweet. And then it's very tangy because uh, you conserve the whole acidity, meaning that uh, you don't have any malolactic fermentation, as we call it, in Riesling. You try to block it. Right. Uh, whereas, so the comparison to that, white wine making, for example, in Burgundy, is that uh, when uh, the sugar is converted to alcohol. So when the alcoholic fermentation is over, and if you don't do anything to the wine, meaning if you don't sulfur it, if you don't put, uh, well, it, it naturally uh, phases into a second fermentation stage called malolactic fermentation where uh, lactic bacteria, so lactic bacteria is what you know from yogurt. You know, so it's right. a Bactic lacteria that um, consumes and converts the um, malic acid, uh, which, is, which is in wine, into a lactic acid, which you, we all know, for example, from yogurt. I mean, this happens naturally by bacteria. So, but this process is being mostly blocked in uh, Germany, in order to conserve the whole acidity because malic acid is much more tangy, much more um, zippy, whereas lactic acid is much softer and rounder. Um, And so this process was only possible with the technical um, advancement of being able to uh, understand, first of all, the wine chemistry and wine biology after the war and also being able to um, especially filter the ready-made wine and filter out the bacteria and bottle. And this way you Ah. eliminate the lactic bacteria, you see, Ah. uh, from your wine and so you can bottle, which process is called um, um, sterile filtration and this was not this method was not available before the war
2: so let me ask you a silly layman's question no if problem. you if you did mala, malolactic um fermentation in riesling and you didn't mm-hmm. do it in burgundy mm-hmm. i mean would the wines they wouldn't be what we know them as but would would it be just a terrible experiment, or there would be interesting
3: wines?
4: Good point. Um, I think Guillaume can answer you that question better because he knows okay. uh, he knows different cases.
3: Yes, I, I I tried by the past to to block the malolactic fermentation in Chardonnay. Okay. Um, Without success, I must say at the end because um, in Riesling the malolactic uh, the yeah the malic acid doesn't taste so so green, which is ah. the case for Chardonnay, and it doesn't make it doesn't make the wine um, elegant at all. So um,
2: is that indicative of the the grape varietal, right? I suppose.
3: I suppose. Riesling, you know. I don't have any experience of Riesling, but right. Yeah, I I didn't want to I didn't want to. uh, Chardonnay for sure. uh, Even in low acid uh, vintages, I would do the malolactic fermentation.
2: Right. (laughs) So let me ask you. Let me ask you this first, Guillaume. So Tomoko, you spend all this time in Germany. You know, you're Mm -hmm. very sort of. Singularly focused to, uh, mostly reasoning, reasoning. Yes. Um, Guillaume, you're the, you know, quintessential Burgundian. Tomoko, when you got to, uh, Burgundy, and I know you worked, you know, different places and all that, um, did you guys have disagreements in making wine? <laughs> I mean, did it? Was it the best of all worlds, or did you clash at um, all about any of
3: this? Not much. Not much. No. no. no okay. No. Most of the time, we we agree because more or less we have the same the same taste. I think right, we want to reach the same goal. Um, sometimes. Maybe and that's universal. Have, mm-hmm. Sorry?
2: That's universal compared to, you know, whatever region. Uh-huh, uh-huh.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think
4: so. Mm. It's um. So I think what's important for us as a team is that because we're husband and wife, we live together, you know, like we drink wine together <laughs> with friends, we buy wine mm-hmm. together. So, you know, you be more or less drink the same type of wine together. And right. so our tastes are quite similar, not 100% identical identical but quite right. similar and also as you know you know like palette of a person any person evolves right right what, what you like also evolves so i think that's what's important uh, as a husband and wife team that our palettes uh, evolve together and so right. after that it's just in practical winemaking it's just a question of how uh we reach our goal you that's know it. right and right. so it's it's right. a question of like it's, it's just uh, technical details that we have to discuss. Um, but most of the time we are, we agree with each other. And I think That's it's great. this dynamic that is important. You know, like people come come and say, you know, it must be for you guys. Not very easy. Make your mind together <laughs> as a husband and wife. I'm sure you <laughs> fight a lot. Don't you fight a lot? <laughs> and, right. And, and, um, but and, and so but we must say, I mean, there's there's hardly a disagreement. And when we disagree, I think what's great about making wine together is you know we only make it once a year.
2: Oh, that's a good <laughs> point.
4: <laughs> and, but you know, like it's, I'm not meaning it ironically, you know, it's it no, takes I time. Know. Yeah, it right. takes time. And so you see, like if I say A and Guillaume thinks it's rather B, we say, okay, well, you know. Why is time so like let's wait for two weeks a month and taste together again and see what 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 we what we what we see is that
2: what? well, a difference in opinion and you know a dialogue is always good, but you know I may have to do this interview a year from now because, as <laughs> Guillaume said. <laughs> I think he said March basically he's going to devote all his time to <laughs> That's right. so let's see what happens then, okay yeah. I mean it's all lovey dovey oh. and romantic now, but you know a couple of yeah, months yeah. in the vineyards see. and in the cellar you know twenty four seven we'll see what happens I'm joking yeah, i'm very I'm, the I'm very positive see you I'm very positive it'll work out <laughs> um is it fair to say that you know your wines um have a Burgundian, German, and even a Japanese influence? I mean, have you has all that poured into your wines, do you think?
3: I would say yes, probably, because um very very often we think that the the wines reflect the the people who make it. Right. So in our case, of course, we have uh, all this uh, different inspiration. Um, even if we were for the same goal, I think it's, um, yeah, we can't do without, without this. I with think our, that's... Uh, origin, yes. Mm-hmm.
2: That's what may make your wines, you know, more interesting than most. Yeah. Um. <laughs> All right, so let's talk so, about <laughs> the wines. Let's get into everything a little. You had mentioned this earlier, but I want you to just, you know, go over it again. You know, Shantarev has been a negociant vinificateur pretty much from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um and well, you mentioned you purchased, I think at least around 5 hectares of your own vineyards. Can you first again just Tell everyone what a, a negoci is. You know, a, a negociant vinificateur, which is really up until now or recently, you know, what you were doing.
4: Negotiant vinificateur, meaning that we buy the grapes, or uh, in case of white wine, freshly pressed juice or grapes. Okay, um, and we make our own wine. So, because. The difference between a simple negos and a negos vinificateur is uh, the simple negos you could be doing either making the wine yourself or buying the buying the ready-made wine and sell them.
2: Right. Right.
4: Uh, so we emphasize that we are negos vinificateur because uh, all the wines that we uh, bottle ourselves are made by us.
2: Right. So you are dealing with multiple growers, you know, in different, you know, Mm -hmm. regions in the area. Tell me, you know, philosophically or process wise, how do you select your growers and what's important to you from them? Um, You know, I know it's Mm -hmm. relationships and availability, but you know, tell, tell me about that. Cause you want what you want, not what you can get. I mean, obviously, Mm -hmm. right. You Mm -hmm. want the best Mm -hmm. stuff. So how do you go about, you know selecting growers and you know what demands do you you know ask of them
3: or oh, what well, the the first thing we do when we when we meet uh, a new uh, grower uh if to go is to go in his own uh, parcel and uh, and see how it is um We are always um, curious to talk with him to know how he works in the vineyard, but um, of course it's uh, it's our job too. So we can we we can see we can see quite easily if um, if he's working good or not, if he uses uh, pesticides or not, if he's bio or not. This is quite. Quite easy when you are used to it. It's quite it's quite easy to to see. Right. Um,
2: can you? Is it? Has it become competitive to find you know vineyards that mm. follow your requirements? Like if I decided I wanted to come to France and become a negociant vinificateur. I mean, is all the good stuff taken up at this point, or? Can you get what you want? We can't
3: get all that we want, that's for sure. Okay. Um, But at the end, you know, we are not looking for a specific appellation. We look for uh, well-made grapes. That's the most important. Um, So you'll go where
2: the quality is not
3: Absolutely, you know. absolutely. Right. For for example, uh, uh, we don't necessarily want to to work with the appellation. I say Pulini because I work for Pulini. If it's if it's not well made, it's much better to work with uh, with an Auxerrois uh, grapes, well made, instead of uh, uh, not not so good Pulini, You know what I mean?
2: Right. So. Talk to me about some of your Nagos vineyards, you know, and the wines. I mean, I know at times you could make up to a dozen plus, you know, reds and whites. Um, Tell me about some of your Nagos wines, you know, some of your older relationships, you know, and Mm. those wines just by name. You know, it's going to be hard to cover all of them, but give me some good examples.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll maybe name some that we like, um, which is, which is a recent one. So, like Guillaume was saying, uh, for us, uh, most primordial is that we like the vigneron, uh, we like the grower and we, we agree with the way it's being worked. So, after that, uh, that's most important. After that, whatever appellation, if the grapes are well made, we're confident we can make wine that We like to drink ourselves, and we can. uh, Right. And so uh, recently, uh, as recent as... Wait a minute. Présent, c'était quand? 2015? No, 2019. Sorry. Um, So we met a small grower in Côte de Bonne. Uh, He works with his father, actually a stepfather. They have together five hectares, very small. And um, they... Um they only work alone. They only wor- have like one person to help them in summer, but otherwise they all do everything by themselves. And because wow. they are five hectares small domain, uh, which is about the size that we have, uh, very much sympathize with them. You know, they're very hands-on, but very smart people. Um, everything is done by themselves. Their grapes are beautiful. Um, and we had such a chance of, in 2019, buy the grapes of Bonne Premier Cru, Les Bressendes. Uh, it's one of the most celebrated Premier Cru's from Bonn. And right. Bonne, I think as an appellation, it's still not uh, uh, well uh, recognized in. Uh, um, I mean, it's not getting the recognition that it deserves for various reasons. Um, I don't need to get into that here, but it's not because Bone can't offer. Bone offers tremendous uh, diversity, opportunity, and uh, quality. Uh, And we were so excited to be able to work with these grapes, very small amount, you know, we only made two barrels, but uh, 2019 was a hot and dry vintage. And uh, that was the first parcel of negos, grapes that was picked. Um, So I went there with the uh, picking bins. Uh, I spoke with the vigneron. Uh, I was doing just a tiny little bit of uh, sorting in the vineyard with them. And then brought back, Uh, Guillaume and I, we put it into the fermenting vat. We usually take a juice and, and bring it to the lab for the prime uh, initial analysis. And we were so uh, amazed because it was such a balanced uh, analysis, very um, remarkable for the vintage. Um, you were
2: right from the beginning in yeah, recognizing Yeah, we were that. very Made lucky.
4: Well, yeah. we were very lucky from the beginning. It's so well done. Um, and so I spoke about that to, for example, our colleague David Croix, Uh, who has his domain in Bonn and who is one of the most important vigneron in Bonn elevating the uh, uh, renown of Bonn to what it used to be and what it should be today. And so he knew this vigneron, I mean, this uh, father and son uh, domain, because uh, one of his vineyard is right next to theirs. And so he was saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know them. I observe them. I know how well they work. Yeah. um, He was also amazed how, yeah, how lucky. And so because we were so happy with those grapes, we told them, look, whichever the grape that whichever appellation uh, that you offer to us, we take them. And, 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 so it happened that in 2021, last year, uh, from them, we could buy the grapes of choray le and another uh, less well-known, uh, less-known Premier Cru of uh, Bone. And um, so less-known Premier Cru of Bones or Chorel le Bon Village, it's not exactly a super popular appellation, actually. Usually, as a right. negos, it could be But that, doesn't, be that risky. doesn't seem
2: to matter to you. You know, it's about the quality of the grape, not what's trendy or hot or, you know, what you think can sell, right?
4: Yeah, I think one thing that we have, uh, one lucky um, status quo that we have is since we have been doing this for 10 years. And now at least uh, we have the confidence to say to ourselves, if the quality of the grape is there and that we get along very well with the grower, uh, then we can make wine that we can recommend to people with uh, best of our conscience, you know? And so- That's the Um, most important thing. Right. So I spoke to one of our uh, most important export clients. She was saying, well, you know, um, Chore, I I only sell Chore of Tolobo, but other Chores we usually don't look for. But that didn't deter us. We were sure that we would be able to make Chore, that people would say, wow, I mean, we should look into overlooked appellations.
2: Right. I think... I think you're at the point, and you've, you've earned that whatever you make will be made well, and there'll be interest in people wanting to drink it. I mean, that being said, you, you've made Volnay and Pomard, and you know, um, yeah. Ose o- o- Doras, You know, you, mm-hmm. you 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 do all of that other stuff too. But it's it's very you know vineyard, Designate Select to what's important to you. Do you buy as much grapes now that you've bought property?
3: Um, the negos is still uh, bigger than that we can produce from our own vineyard.
2: Right. Yeah. It's bigger. But because you now have the property, are you buying not less than the property, but less grapes than you used to as a negos? Or are you still buying the same amount?
3: No, no. We, we still buy the same amount. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you're just
2: mm. you're just you
3: know adding to that. No, um, because we we, it, you know, it's uh, as you said, it's quite competitive to find some good grapes mm. to buy, and we are very prob- proud of, of of what we 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 are able to buy. So so right. yeah, we. I mean, we the story them. you
2: told about the stepfather and son. I mean, that's mm. a great story.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm.
2: Owning your own property is different than acquiring grapes as a negos. You know, you alluded to that before. And, Tomoko, I know in the past you've said excellent farmers make excellent wine. I think, you know, we all agree with that. Um, The question is for both of you. You know, you could jump in, whatever. Um, Tell me about your vineyard philosophy. And the practices that you follow, you know, I think you've revealed a little of that, you know, talking about other things, but there's a way, you know, that you approach this and the basic things that are important to you as far as
3: the vineyards is what? Okay. Um, well, we, we work, uh, we work bio, of course. Right. Um even if we are not certified. But um, we complete uh, this, uh, this work, this bio, with uh, phytotherapy, which is a um, quite new approach here in Burgundy. Um, Tomoko and I made uh, several um, um, formation.
4: Uh, training
3: Training. Um, with a guy who is called Eric Petiot. Um, there's many, uh, many different um, growers now who train with this guy to learn from him. And um, this is very, very interesting. And um, um, how can I say? Complimentaire. Um,
4: Uh, It complements, yeah.
3: It complements the the bio approach.
4: Organic. Right. The organic uh,
3: approach, yes. Mm -hmm. Right.
2: Um, So you are practicing this close to organic in some newer ways. Certification doesn't matter.
4: Yeah, phytotherapy Uh is actually um, to to be aided by other plants to... um, To better the quality of your own farming, so like using the decoction of uh, horsetail or um, fermented extracts of uh, different plants, Um, it basically um, strengthens the immune system of the plant, immune system of your vines. Yeah,
2: Right. So there's a diversity in the vineyards where everything is complementing everything, but it's thought out correct yeah
3: yeah yeah and so <clears throat> even if you work organically we still use uh, copper and sulfur and uh, right. this kind of and phytotherapy helps to to uh, um uh, reduce the the amount of uh, of copper and sulfur right so
2: you're you're trying to be as minimal with that as possible absolutely um the property you recently bought is predominantly algoté, or it's algoté, algoté. You know me; I'm some yeah. New York guy who can't pronounce French words. Well. No
4: problem, no problem. <laughs> I was the same when I came here.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure French you weren't. Uh,
4: Still so difficult.
2: But the property is it predominantly algoté?
4: No, um what? no, no. Uh, it's actually quite varied. Uh, Okay. We bought altogether uh, 4.7 hectares, uh, right. of which four hectares planted. And it's 1.5 hectare out of uh, 4.2 4, 4. is Aligoté. And then other 1.5 hectare is Haute Côte de Bonne Blanc. So that's Chardonnay. Right. And then we have uh, 0.7 hectare. So it's quite a sizable plot of Savigny route. So that's Pinot Noir. Uh, right. We have uh, zero point fifteen uh, hectare of Savigny Blanc, uh, so that's Chardonnay, and then we have zero point two hectare of Chere Le Bon Rouge, so that's Chorel Village Pinot Noir.
2: Right. Now the Allegote is that the first time you have worked with that grape? Not. Um, I, I mean, the first time you were bottling it. I mean, were any of the other ghost vineyards Allegote?
3: The first plot of Aligote that we, we 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 bought, um it was in um in uh, eighteen. Right. Um but 18.
2: previous to that, did you make any aligote from any no. of the
3: other mm-hmm. negotiations? Okay. So hmm? so, so just, can you... Yeah, oh yeah, in seven anyway. yes, in seventeen. In okay, seventeen. But, not, we but, made but our less first of that Aligoté, than any but it right, was Negos. less Alig-
2: less aligote than you know everything else. Just uh, can you tell me tell me about the grape a little aligoté i mean does it have similarities you know to chardonnay what are the characteristics because i think a lot of people have tried it you know drank it but i think there's a lot Mm. of people you know that may not know much about it and you're starting to see more of it coming out of burgundy so how would you describe it
3: um well <laughs> no, it's um it's it's really something else compared to uh compared to Chardonnay. Okay. What are the differences? And, and um now with the the climate change, uh I think Aligote uh, can be one of the solutions to keep making some French fre- fresh and balanced uh white wines. Because um even if the grapes are uh, ripe, uh, there is always a good acidity in, uh, in Aligoté. That's right. the, big, uh, the big difference with Chardonnay. Uh, Chardonnay, especially in uh, hot years, hot vintages, we really have to uh, make the harvest at not, not between 12 and 12.5 uh, potential alcohol. Otherwise, acidity... <clears throat> will be too low, and by consequence, the the wines too too heavy, too fat. Uh, so, mm-hmm.
2: so you have to deal with climate change as far as planting. You mentioned, you know, thinking about varietals, you know, when you pick ripeness and all of that. Does this is it inevitable that who knows how long from now when climate change really has its effects? Will you blend, you know, Aligoté with Chardonnay just to balance it? Good or question. are they singular? Yeah. I mean, you're not mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah.
3: We, uh, we also have to deal Sounds with, like a no, uh, with, with the low, you know.
4: <laughs>
3: right.
4: Uh,
3: yeah, sure. But... Um, well, why not? We can we can try, but, but um, you know, as a Burgundian, we like we, we like right. it. <laughs> we like we like it. We like it s- separate.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I, um, I I think that's ultimately the answer. I mean, you could do you know some blends, but certainly yeah, sure, it would yeah, be the same. There's
4: another uh, sorry. There's another aspect to it because uh, when we're when we're planting we are allowed to have up to 15% of other but authorized grape variety in your plot, meaning that if you, for example, have Haute Cote de Bon Blanc, which should be Chardonnay, but you're allowed right. to have up to 15% of Aligoté in there. And so we, for example, <coughs> with uh, one of our colleagues whose, whose Aligoté is very well known, um, we got an advice from him that when For example, we do rupigage. that's uh, planting uh, the vines. I mean, replanting the dead vines in already planted plot. You know, like when a vine dies out, you have to replace it. So like if it's a Chardonnay vineyard, why not replace it with uh, a couple of aligotés? Right. Uh, So that, I mean, this is a, this, we personally think it's a much better approach than acidifying the wine afterwards.
2: Right, that's, that's a good point um, mm-hmm. Guillaume and Tom, Tomoko We have to take a quick break When we mm-hmm. come back I want to talk to you We move from the vineyard into the cellar I just want to talk to you a little about you know Your winemaking practices um, For the reds and the whites sure. So mm-hmm. we're talking to Tomoko and Guillaume From Shanta You're listening to The Grape Nation On the Heritage Radio Network We'll be right back
1: Hi, I'm Kiki Luya, the executive director of Restaurant Workers Community Foundation, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Shift Work. In the last six months, some 6,500 restaurants have closed their doors, and there's never been a time when restaurants and their 12 million workers have been more vulnerable. It's time to transform hospitality. With Shift Work, a podcast made in collaboration with RWCF and HRN, We're shifting the conversation about how the restaurant food you love makes its way to the table. What does it really take to make that experience happen? And who are the countless workers responsible? We're talking porters, cleaning crew, prep cooks, servers, baristas, hosts, bartenders, barbacks, managers, sommeliers, and chefs. I'll also introduce you to organizations that are leading industry transformation. We'll discuss mental health, fair pay, racial justice, and how hospitality can change for the better. We need it. Listen to and follow Shift Work on your favorite podcast app.
2: Okay, we're back. We're back with my guests, as I mentioned in the intro, the magical duo of (laughs) Tomoko and Guillaume who make up Chanterev, and I mean that sincerely. All right, so we talked about you know, how important farming is and, you know, all the years that I've been doing um, the podcast, the recognition of how important farming is um, and just not, you know, the product itself manufactured in the cellar really is what makes, you know, great wines. But you got to get into the cellar and make the wine. So let's talk about your uh, winemaking. I know this, that you guys are Very technical from experience, but I also know you're very intuitive. Um, Mm -hmm. So without getting, and and both of you may have to sit on your hands, without getting too technical, talk to me about your winemaking philosophy. Because... Maybe they're buzzwords to winemakers, but, you know, there are things you do like, you know, whole cluster and natural mallow, you know, talk to me about the basic things, you know, that you do that's important to make the wines that you want to make. Start with white, you know, because you're not making, there are certain things that cross over, but you're not making the whites exactly the way you're making the reds.
3: For both color, I would say uh, precision, but simplicity. Okay, actually. Okay, um, for the whites, um, we 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 crush b- before pressing. Uh, we let then we let the juice uh, settling down for uh, for a night, and the day after we we put the the fresh juice uh, in barrel for the fermentation. We okay. use um,
4: without adding sulfur.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that we, point, no sulfur. We, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, we, we had we had nothing. Uh fermentation is done with um indigenous uh yeast. Okay.
4: Indigenous
3: yeast. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is uh, natural yeast, you're not right. You know, natural, yeast. natural yeast, right. that's it. Um where uh f- as we don't use any sulfur in uh, vinification and, uh, and aging, usually the malolactic fermentation <clears throat> is done uh, uh, quite quickly. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, during, during winter, it's usually already done, even if the cellar is cold.
2: And you have no temperature control, right? So no. you're working, you're not manipulating anything by, no. you know, manipulating no. the temperature. No, no, no,
3: no. Okay. All we do with temperature, um, we, we could build a, a cool room uh, this year. Okay. So I- instead of manipulating, m- manipulating the grapes or uh, the, the, the fresh juice, we cool down the grapes ah naturally by, in by, a... by 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 putting them in the cool room and uh, that's right. very this way it's very soft and uh, it's a lot of respect for the for the grapes
2: um batonnage do you do batonnage and just quickly no. tell people what no batonnage
3: no batonnage is usually made to um to uh, remove the lees from the bottom uh, to mix right. them in, in the in the barrel and uh, and provoke the auto Uh We don't do that because I think uh, I think we we lose we lose the precision and um, uh-huh. you can also have <clears throat> you gain what, what we call matière um, which is. Which is uh, the kind of structure? Structure, but right. <clears throat> this kind of structure that you—it's <clears throat> a kind of—it's a kind of sweetness. The wines are dry, but it gives you the impression of roundness, sweetness. Ah, and we we don't we don't want this in our wines. So, Wait, so the t- on, the only batonnage that we do is just before uh, the racking. Okay. Because when we when we move the wine from the barrel to the to the tank stainless steel tank, we want to we want to um, to keep all the lees. That's why we do a batonnage just before the racking.
2: So, Guillaume, two things to that you talked about moving from the barrel to stainless. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the barrels. You know, my sense is. It's neutral or old oak, you know, nothing too new, if at all. And then, what about because of lees and all of that? What about fining and filtration? I mean, how do you handle that?
3: Well, f- fining, we, well, no, we we don't do it. We don't do okay. any fining. Um, sometimes we need to to filter um, to filter uh, a wine who is not. Um, completely clear or too cloudy. Is that more um, for aesthetics? Just you want it yes, to look? Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 And then and what so, about sometimes the barrels? We, sometimes we, we just have to filter the, the bottom of the, of the tank right. and not right. the entire QV. And that varies
2: by vintage barrel, whatever. And no oak, right? Or no new oak?
3: No new oak. No new oak, except that uh, this year we bought some uh, 600 liters, barrels, new. We wow. bought uh, three of them, I think. And um, because the proportion uh, of liquid and, um, and uh, oak is, uh, <clears throat> the oak is not so important. It doesn't, it doesn't give stru- uh, too strong um, oakiness right. to the wine.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, just to add to that, though, um, we, like you say, neutral oak, but our philosophy is actually not to buy a new oak. But the problem is that these puncheons, as you call them, I think, 600-liter barrels, right, they're, the very larger... difficult to find. Yeah, they're very difficult to find secondhand.
2: So you have um, to improvise.
4: Yeah, well, yeah. And and luckily uh, Guillaume has colleagues in Pulini marche and, and Chassane-Marché from whom we can buy uh we can buy old uh second-hand white wine barrels of different sizes yeah. but not puncheons. So that's why it's not because we want to have the new oak from the puncheon but it's because we didn't have a choice.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. That's that's yeah. interesting. You're <laughs> you have to deal with what's available now talk to me about red wine um similar uh similar philosophies but you have to do certain things different with the reds can you absolutely. talk to me about that Eleni?
4: yeah absolutely i mean the red and whites are very different uh but like guillaume said um underlying philosophy for us and that's one of the reasons why we why we said to ourselves we should make wine one day together. Long time ago, um, it's because already in 2005 when we met, both of, both of us believed in fermenting with a natural yeast, and then also to intervene in wine making as little as possible. And uh, so, 17 years ago, me working in Germany, Guillaume working in Burgundy, we still did some type of fining or maybe like more filtration at that time. But as time goes on, we make our own wines. We taste the wines, beautiful wines of our really, really accomplished colleagues. Uh, we do, we do less and less, but controlled, meaning that it's not laissez-faire. We right. taste regularly. And we decided to do the minimum, as minimum as possible. That's why, um, the only filtration of, for example, 2020 vintage in whites that we did was. Bougon Blanc cuvée, because that is the biggest cuvée of 30 barrels. And, and it takes too long time for, for it to sediment. It takes longer than six months to sediment completely. And so that's why we filtered just half of the, half of the uh, cube. Uh, I mean, half of the tank. But otherwise, uh, we're not uh, filtering any whites and the reds. Uh, no fining, no filtration to begin with.
0: Right. So
4: sorry. I mean, like making long. St- Long story short, so to explain you. So this underlying philosophy for us is very important, especially also no temperature control, because we think temperature control during the fermentation is a big um, intervention in the expression of wine. And for us, what's also very primordial is to, is to elevate the quality of the grapes and the energy that is already in the primary Primary product, which is the grapes, so that's one of the reasons why we ferment our reds one hundred percent whole cluster, nothing destemmed, because we think whole cluster fermentation as a as means for us is the best way to um, elevate the energy of the fruit.
2: Right, but um, you you didn't always do whole cluster, right? You know, sorry, about seven eight about seven eight years ago, you switched to whole cluster.
4: Yes, you know very well. So up so from two thousand ten to two thousand thirteen vintage during four years, uh we were destemming almost everything. And then from two thousand fourteen vintage we turned to hundred percent whole cluster. <laughs> uh which is which which is maybe at that time too bold and a little bit little bit the, uh, reckless. The, the mo-
2: What's the moment that you decide to switch? As you, you you do some barrels where you did whole cluster, or what you were looking for to make the wine more complete by doing the yeah. stems and let it, that's why you switched.
4: Yeah the 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 uh, in, the biggest impri- inspiration we we got, and especially for me was uh, when we could taste in the cellar of Nicolas Faux, He's right. a small grower uh in Cotonui. Uh, one of his most known uh cuvées is his old vine aligote from pernand Vergilès and then his uh New Saint-Georges Village Le Herbu. Um we could taste Nico's 2013 uh New Saint George Village le Herbu in his cellar. And he is uh he's known to always keep his whole cluster. Now in 2013. It was a big challenge, I think, a big adventure for a small girl like him who doesn't have much of a wiggle, you know, like wiggle space to go for. And we could taste that from the barrel. And I said, wow, I was just knocked out by how beautiful the wine was. And so I must say, Guillaume always wanted to go a high percentage whole cluster. And I didn't have the guts to do it. And after tasting uh, Nico's whole cluster, I said to Guillaume, you know what? I'm ready. So like, <laughs> and uh, yeah.
2: So one more question on the uh, winemaking. Um, the use of yeast, the inoculation for the reds, is it a little different than the whites or is it the same?
4: Sorry, inoculation of the
2: whites and inoculation the, the, of the No, whites. the red wine. I, I mean, the, the, the yeast or the way you... I don't know if I'm asking it right. I mean, is there what's it called pied de cuvee or? Ah, pied couve? de
4: cuvee. Ah, pied de cuvee. Do you yeah. do
2: you have to do that with reds, and you don't necessarily do it with whites?
4: Um, we mostly do with both colors, though. Uh, but okay. that is with that. That's still with the natural yeast, and that is not with right. The right. White. Explain. Yeah, it's I almost
2: think- like people know how to make sourdough bread with starter. You know, just exactly. explain what that means.
4: Yeah, so it's a starter in English. I mean, Guillaume can explain it, I think.
3: Starter, yes. Um, from my point of view, it's much more useful uh, for Pinot Noir uh, rather than uh, Chardonnay. Right. Because uh, when you work uh, uh, 100% cluster. Um, if you don't have a, a correct fermentation, you have a big risk to to get some uh, acetate right. from from the really beginning of uh, encuvage. cuvage.
4: Uh, wait a minute, uh, acetate. Uh, acetate is um, what is an acetate in English? Acetone. It's it's something that uh, you know when when you. It's a smell that you get, for example, right. from the manicure.
2: Right. It's like a nail polish or remover. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Very Absolutely. strong. A little offensive. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. So
2: Absolutely. You, you want to stay away from that.
3: If, yeah. If you have a weak yeah. fermentation with uh, 100% world cluster and almost without, uh, without sulfur, after two, two or three days, you, you, will, get, you will get some, uh, some acetate. So that's so a bad sign. Use, using a pied cuve is, uh, is the best way not to have it. Great. All right. So that's, uh, you know, I'm sure we can get into a
2: lot more detail on the winemaking, but that pretty much, you know, covers everything. Um, I want to do something with you guys that I do with all my guests every week. And it's called our wine list. And what I do is I ask my guests five questions. I've asked everyone the same five questions. They don't change. We've done (laughs) over 200 of these. And what I want to do is with each question, I want each of you to answer. Um, Some Mm -hmm. of them may be the same answers because you guys are now (laughs) somewhat attached at the hip. Some may be different. Um, Mm -hmm. Don't Don't dwell or linger, you know, be spontaneous, go quickly because we're running out of time. But the first question. The first question is, what are you drinking now? What's in your fridge? What are you experimenting? You know, other than tasting your wines, you know, like Tomoko. I mean, do you continue to cool drink riesling? you yeah. know, what? So, so, okay. So, Guillaume, your answer is beer. You're done. All right. Tomoko?
4: Um, what I'm drinking, yeah. For example, uh, a lot of, lot of label from uh, Girard. One of okay. the most celebrated uh, organic natural wine producer. Um, Spell Labé
3: L A B E T.
4: Right, that's it. L-A-B-E-T, okay. Labé. Okay. Both whites and reds. When there okay. is some
3: Labé in the fridge, I don't drink beer anymore. <laughs>
2: okay. All right. So you you could be swayed. I like that. All right. So anything else?
4: Anything else? Yeah. Sure. There there are many. I mean. If it's from Burgundy, it's from one of our most uh, valuable colleagues, Domaine Dandelion. I think the wines aren't yet uh, exported to New York, but they're coming to the Pole in New York soon. Uh, we're coming. Oh, good!
2: Time. In March, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm. Will you yeah. will you be in for the Grand the Grand Cru portfolio tasting, or you're just going to do Yes, Polet? Yeah. there too? Yeah. Both. Okay. Good. Both. All right. Paulet is av- The La Paulée is available to the public. The Grand Cru is really an industry tasting. All right, so those mm. are good answers. The cool thing is, what's it called? Dandelion? Y- y- uh, you just...
4: Yeah, Domaine Dandelion. So it's Dandelion, right, <laughs> in right. English. So
2: you, you just mm-hmm. revealed something that we should look out for down the road, not right now.
4: Yeah, right. They, make, uh, they make mostly Haute Cote de bon, uh Pinot's, Or Aligotés, beautiful wine. It's one of the most uh, accomplished and pure uh, natural wine that you can find from the region.
2: Sounds like your stuff too, and I don't mean (laughs) to call it stuff. Um, All right, second question. Maybe you agree on this. Maybe you each have a different one. But tell me your favorite wine and food pairing. Not something you eat, Ooh. you know, every night, every month, but and not what you think a great wine pairing, wine and food, what you like. I mean, what's mm, your favorite mm, wine and food mm, pairing? Mm. Tomoko, you go first.
4: Yeah, okay. Well, maybe Guillaume's, Guillaume's going to say the same thing. My most favorite okay. is, is uh, Van Vanjon from Jura with, right. uh, with uh, breast Breast chicken uh, cooked in white wine with a cream sauce and uh, mor- mori. Mori is, a, is a, um, mushrooms. Monta- mushrooms, right. Yeah, mori, uh is also from the region. I mean, that's usually many people eat that for Christmas. And that's my, more, I think, most favorite.
2: What's the first thing you uh, said, yeah. Van jaune? What is
4: Van Yeah, Van is an oxidative, uh, oxidative white oh, wine. Oh, Van
2: Okay. Yeah. Again, yeah. again, I I I process the way I pronounce French, so I get mm-hmm. it now. So Van jaune with um, the breast, I got that. All right, yeah. Guillaume, same oh. or something different?
3: <laughs> oh, something different. A uh, different um. <clears throat> beer and a sausage. We are not in Germany. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, no, uh, f- I love beef, so uh, I would say Côte de Bœuf, a dry age Côte de Bœuf with our mm. uh, Savigny de Bonne Rouge. <laughs> okay. I,
2: I, I think that's your favorite, but that probably could work for anyone too. All right. So. <laughs> I know you guys are always in the cellar. You're in the field. You're talking to your negocios and all that. The third question is your favorite wine restaurant and or bar. And the idea of the question is, is not to leave anyone out or to favor anyone, but just pick a place, I guess, in the area that you don't have to drive too far that has a great selection. When you walk in, you know, it's a great vibe and the people that own it or Mm -hmm. run it just know what they're doing. Is there any place, you know, that comes to mind?
1: Absolutely, I, I
3: think we will have the same uh, the same answer. Yeah, more or go <laughs> go we ahead. We have we have the chance since uh, how much two years mm-hmm. to have a wonderful restaurant here in savigny le It's called Le Soleil, um, and there there is two two chefs, um, Leila from Morocco originally. And Zvante uh, from uh, Sweden. There, I think they are—they are—they are not married, but they—they they are a couple uh, in life so that, and also in the kitchen. Nice. And, so that's uh, Le
2: Soleil, S O L E I L. Yeah, like the sun. Okay. And Savigny Le Bon. Okay. And, you uh, agree, the, Tomoko?
4: Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. It's a. We, we are so happy there, there. And we must say, we must, uh, very important that it's managed by one of the nieces of, uh, deceased Patrick Pease, uh, ah, Lola. Be- and, right. and she, she, um, her wine list is one of the most exciting of the region because she worked for a very known, uh, wine restaurant near Barcelona for 10 years. And so we get to drink, uh, really, um, beautiful new wave Spanish wines as well um, and many different natural wines from all over France too it
2: sounds it sounds very interesting that's yeah, yeah. see that's the answer I'm looking for I mean there's a lot <laughs> of great places to probably go to but there's some you know there is there's an interesting aspect you know to the chefs to the people picking mm. the wine and all that so yeah, that's yeah, a great yeah. answer all right fourth question. I think probably get a different answer from each of you. Here's the question. (laughs) When I originally asked this question, I asked my guests, what's your favorite all-time wine? And when I asked that question, I was curious about, hey, what was the rarest, most expensive wine you ever drank? I don't care about that anymore. What the question has morphed into is what's that wine in your life, your career, in your travels that had an impression, you know, that changed the way you think about wine, that enlightened you, that was a gateway, you know, that important wine? I'm sure running up to what you're doing now, there was a wine that, you know, really had that impact. Can you think of one, Tomoko? Can you think of one, Guillaume? And Just- if it's mm-hmm, more than one. Mm-hmm.
4: Just one, or uh, is it okay? Uh, One or two? two. No, no, a couple. Okay, max two. Okay, Uh, yeah, because I I exactly not max
2: two, two, but not just one. Whatever you have.
4: All right. Um, Yeah, it's it's quite has a they have direct impact, I think, on what we're making today. Right. Um, So one is uh, New Saint George Premier Cru uh, from Domaine de Chassorner. Uh, the owner spell is spell in- for me. Chassonnet is C-H, uh, C H S S C H A. Sorry, C H A S S O R N E. I
2: think it's
4: like yes, yes, Y.
2: Yes, 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 Sorry, N E Y. I'll look uh, it up. Who's the Who's the Did you say? Were you, you going to say the winemaker?
4: Yeah, Fred Cossard, C O S S A R D. Is his last name, Cosa, so and I, his I, first I will, name is Fred. Yeah. I
2: will get the correct thing. It's, so yeah, it's
4: we, imported vintager? in New York. Uh, yeah. The thing is, I think the vintage was, if I'm not mistaken, I think vintage was maybe 92 <clears throat> or 94. Wow. Yeah. Uh, because I don't remember the vintage, unfortunately, but he okay. is one of the pioneering, so early- yeah, pioneering wine, natural winemaker in the region together And uh, and um, and it's also of course a whole cluster fermentation, and I was knocked out by the beauty of it. So that's one for me. And the other one is I'm sure you know it. It's from a celebrated uh, grower in Cornas in Rhone Valley called Thierry Alman. Alman, so yeah, right. So Thierry Alman's Cornas, but uh, sans soufre, so no sulfur cuvée of 2001. Okay, um, those are great. I, yeah, it's a, such a complete uh, ephemeral wine with a beautiful presence. And So, uh, so it's, Tomoko, yeah. it,
2: it's zero sulfur? There's no sulfur? He made yeah. it without any sulfur?
4: Wow. Yeah, he makes, uh, not every year, but there are no sulfur cuvées that he makes. It's not the same label. Right. It's a particular label, and it's a... Uh, it's more difficult to find than uh, the, his usual uh, Cornas uh, cuvées. Right. Uh, but uh, one of our uh, important uh, clients uh, offered it to us. Uh, we drank it with him, and I still remember how it tastes. That's already a couple of years ago. That's, but...
2: that's how you answer the question. You know, th- those, are, <laughs> those are the important wines. All right, Guillaume, do you have something that checks that box?
3: Yes, 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 I have something. Um, It's about... I'm going to guess it's not a Riesling. Go ahead. (laughs) No, it's not a Riesling. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's an old memory from more than 20 years ago. Um, I had the Volnay Caillerae 1991 from uh, La Pousse d'Or. Uh, made by uh, Gérard Potel at that time. Then this, this one is still who'd you say Potel? Uh, yes, P O T O T L. Right, Gérard sure Potel.
2: Yeah. Okay, so that that Volnay, that's the one that sticks up. All right. Good job. I didn't mention this, but and I have one more question, but I just wanted to say that, you know, we promote the show on social media and I will post these answers because our listeners love to hear. <laughs> you know what you're answering because it's to them you know it's it's new finds it gives them a little insight um, so we will post the answers in the coming week here's the last question okay. the Please. question the last question is best wine around 15 20 22 bucks a red and a white i don't want you to answer that what i want you to answer is We all know that Burgundy in the last 5, 10, 15, maybe in 20 years has become so expensive. Mm. Some wines are so rare. The auction houses are driving, you know, the prices up, the scarcity. So Mm. tell me if I wanted to find the best value, value to cost in Burgundy, what should I be drinking? Like is aligoté one of the answers? Tell me where the best value in Burgundy mm. is. And you know, it it could be your wines, it doesn't have to be. I just want people I don't want them to be scared away from Burgundy because of price or scarcity because there's plenty of wine there. What's a way to drink good totally Burgundy?
4: Agree.
3: Yeah. Aligoté is is for sure one of the one of the answer. Okay, so that's the the white. What would yeah. you say for a red?
4: Oat-cote.
2: harder, right? Oat-cote.
4: yeah. Old coat, the bone. There are okay. there are many. Um, also, because of the climate change, you see, old coat is uh, higher in altitude. Uh, Thirty years ago, it was it had more difficulty than it has today to ripen each year. And these days, I mean, since already ah. ten years, I mean, it ripens every year. I mean, there's no problem. And so it's and been so, good. It's and you make good. Haute
2: Cote de Bones.
4: We do make Haute Cote de Bone, yeah.
2: Right. Uh,
4: there are many, many, for example, there is also a village level red called Coutinui Village. Uh, I have a couple of good friends making them. Uh, they can have great ca- character finesse and still affordable. Uh, right. also, also, I recommend you look for appellations that, uh, from Burgundy, they haven't yet heard of, uh, not heard of, I mean, like less heard of, or like Marzanay, maybe, yeah, like Marsanne, mm-hmm. like Fison, right. like uh, Ladua, like Chouret, Bon, like Ose, like Saint Romain, um, mm. hmm?
2: Montli. Mm-hmm. though that's that's you know that is definitely a strategy because in those areas there's some terrific makers they're making good wines and they're you know farming good grapes so what's encouraging is you mentioned Mm. six eight ten different options you Mm. know so if Mm. if if you really, you know, love burgundy, there are options that are just not always super expensive or, you know, certain names that everyone has to relate to. Yes.
4: Absolutely. All right. Oh, not to ma- not sorry, not to forget marange. Uh because right. that's the settlement. 17th- Don't you make
2: marange too?
4: We make Marange too, but we also have wonderful colleagues, uh, new and old, in Marange. Marange is now really coming. I mean, almost every year we see new producers from Marange, either taking over the family domain or buying the domains. Uh, ah. You'll see Marange will be really coming in the next three to five years, you'll see. Mm.
2: That's great. Um All right. We have to wrap up the show. Very good job. Great job on the wine list. Like I said, I'm going to post those. Um, I just want to do a, I want to do a quick wrap up and, you know, let people know where they can get more info on you. But before I do that, I just wanted to ask you about something. Your label is very understated and elegant, and I won't even describe Mm -hmm. it because I want people to seek it out. But what was the inspiration for that label? You know, how did you decide? To come to the label and you know the hands,
4: ah, the, the hand uh, logo, um, yeah. So actually, Sam, um, the we had the same label since 2010 up to 2019 wow. vintage, and that is going to change from 2020 vintage, which is going to hit the U.S. market uh, uh, middle of the with, middle of this year. Yeah, with but no so, hand. With no hand, no. unfortunately. Okay. Oh, but, sad. Yeah, but uh, sad. Uh, coming back to the hand. So at that time, um, you say it's, yeah, it's understatement, but it's because we wanted to show with that label that we are newcomer, uh, newcoming producer. Uh, we don't own any vines. We didn't inherit any vines, but we're still very, very much in love with the region and so we wanted to make wine with the respect that we have to the region, and at the same time show that even though we are négociants, uh, we are vinificateurs. That means we make wines by our own hands, right. and our wines are artisanal products. So those hand emblem on the on the labels, all labels, um, are one is Guillaume's hand, and the smaller one is my hand to show that we're making artisanal wines together
2: um that's a great story and i'm Mm -hmm. sorry that i'm not going to see it in the future all right we have to Mm -hmm. wrap up the show we went way over time my engineer, Kevin, again, is probably going to yell at me, but I can handle that because I always, <laughs> I always run long. Um, so if you have a question, suggestion, wine happening or event, hit me up at com. That's samathegrapenation.com. Subscribe to the Grape Nation podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Hit that subscribe button so that as soon as the episode comes out, you will be able to hear Tomoko and, uh, Guillaume. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at SBenRuby and on Twitter at BenRuby, but you can always use the hashtag the Grape Nation. On Facebook, we're at the Grape Nation. Um, as I mentioned, we'll post Tomoko and Guillaume's wine list on our social media sites starting probably as soon as today, maybe tomorrow. Um, so Tomoko and Guillaume where can we find more information or your wines? And if we want to follow you on social media, where should we go?
4: Uh, um, yeah, we don't yet have a developed website on our own. Okay. Our apologies. But uh, we are on Instagram mainly. Okay. And uh, on Facebook page, uh, we're the most active on Instagram showing... Uh, Showing the images from our vines, images from our cellar, from our harvest. Uh, If you want to reach out and ask us questions directly, the best is to, yeah, best is to write in uh, one of our posts.
2: Okay and you know in doing my research and following you for a long time i know that you don't have a website but if you google shantareve you will get you you know retailers will come up you know distributors so there's information you know where yes, yes, if yes. you want to find the wine you you google the name and you will get some information not necessarily yes, from the site yes yes i think yes, the, I,
4: yeah well the social the best, media uh, helps Yeah, social media helps, but also our apologies and also our gratitude to uh, one of our great Importing, distributing clients, Grand Cru selection in New York. Uh, on their website, there's a quite comprehensive information on us.
2: Yes, <laughs> I was going to mention that. It will <laughs> it will show you the wines. It'll show you you know how they're made and all that information. So that's G R A N D C R U, two words, Grand Cru selections. They yeah. import and distribute the wines. All right, we got to wrap up. Um, I want to thank our guests, Tomoko Kuriyama and Guillaume Boat. Um, thank
4: you so much.
2: Separate names, but together for life. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this and giving us a peek. Um, into what you guys are doing. I mean, like I said, you are a magical duo and you are making magical wines. And I was really interested in your story and I wanted other people to hear it. And I think all that soulfulness and everything translates into the wines. And, you know, one of the reasons I do the show is to get the story out. But even, you know, it's important to get people to try the wines Um, So hopefully, you know, we did that. So thank you for coming on and telling the story. Thank you to our engineer, Kevin, and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. The Grape Nation is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website. HeritageRadio Network.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you.